Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 394. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 394. Our first sponsor spotlight today goes to Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses, offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made using twin-wall polycarbonate, manufactured in Wisconsin, and making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8x8-foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit northwestgreenpanels.com to see more. A few weeks ago, I traveled to the charming town of Burlington, Vermont, located on Lake Champlain with beautiful views of the Adirondack Mountains in the distance. Green Mountain Florist Supply hosted me, along with Susan McCleary of Passion Flower, to teach for their spring education series. Owners Tom and Kim Jennings and their amazing staff made sure we had not only a wonderful time, but a perfect environment for lecturing and teaching. But let me back up and first tell you how I got there. I believe in serendipity and connections, and this story is a perfect example of that. My trip to Burlington began in 2017 when Holly Chapel invited me to teach creative writing for florists at her second Flowerstock Festival. There I met Vermont-based florist Jason Munn of Jason Munn Design, one of those quietly talented guys who gets things done and anticipates everyone's needs before they know them. Jason's presence definitely supported Holly and all the thousands of tiny moving parts of the flower stock machine. And yet he had time to chat and we got to know one another. Last October, when I returned to teach at Flowerstock again, Jason and I reconnected in person again, and he mentioned wanting me uh, to come to Vermont for the workshop series he coordinates for Green Mountain Florist Supply. So it happened, and the visit was a delightful experience. When I arrived at Green Mountain, I was warmly welcomed by Tom Jennings and the team of professionals who work with him. They set up a beautiful teaching space where I gave a morning presentation. Basically, I told the story of Slow Flowers. And Bailey Hale of nearby Ardelia Farm followed with a presentation including his story and insights about flower farming in Vermont. As a bonus, I was invited to design with a vase full of perfectly formed white ranunculus 
straight from Bailey's Winter Greenhouse, and I was able to demonstrate a large arrangement of all American-grown floral elements with those of ranunculus at the, at the center. Once we had devoured a delicious catered lunch seated among the showroom displays, our group reconvened, and Tom kicked off the afternoon with a presentation on flower sourcing behind the scenes. He and his team unveiled an illustrated timeline of special events and wedding flower ordering using a 15-foot-long scroll of paper with drawings by Peter Baldor, the company's road supply sales manager. As it turns out, Peter is also a humorist and cartoonist known as Baldy. And I've added a link to his In the Hothouse web series uh, in our show notes. Check out his quirky plant-focused worldview through those hand-drawn scenes. After our interlude with Tom, we jumped right ahead to a a three-and-a-half-hour afternoon devoted to creative writing for florists, flower farmers, and farmer florists, basically the Slow Flowers Creative Workshop. What a fabulous group of willing participants. I loved meeting such wonderful women, each of whom brought her unique point of view to writing about flowers, color palettes, personal stories, and floral design. I hope to share some of their pieces in a future post, so keep an eye out for that. Suffice it to say, we had a rewarding day together. The following day, Susan McCleary taught her distinct bouquet design techniques and floral wearables, and I was able to watch a good portion of her morning session before I had to head to the airport. My visit to Vermont was not complete without me asking Tom Jennings to sit down and record an interview for this podcast. Established wholesale florists are in a unique position these days. They are juggling customer demands to bring the world of flowers to their doorstep while also responding to increasing requests for seasonal, locally grown options. I value Tom's perspective, and I know you'll learn a lot from this conversation. Here's more about Green Mountain Florist Supply. Serving floral professionals in Vermont, New York, New Hampshire, and beyond, Green Mountain is Vermont's premier provider of wholesale cut flowers and floral supplies. The company opened its doors in 1982 in Middlesex, Vermont, under the astute leadership of Tom's parents, Charles and Sue Jennings who saw the need for a first-rate flower supplier in the region. After graduating from Middlebury College, Tom joined the budding new business in 1983, and he assumed ownership in 1997. Since then, Tom has continued his parents' commitment to superior service and long-term relationships, values that still guide them today. As a floral industry expert, Tom and his outstanding team of floral professionals create a unique wholesale experience like no other, with locations in Middlesex and South Burlington and scheduled delivery routes that extend throughout the three-state region, Green Mountain brings the freshest products right to customers' doors. At the South Burlington showroom where I taught, wholesale shoppers can choose from the latest floral supplies and home decor. Artfully arranged each season, the environment serves as an ideal setting for educational opportunities and hands-on workshops like ours. Green Mountain's mobile showroom brings hard goods, tools, and floral supplies to those customers who can't make it to either wholesale branch for their floral needs. I'll share photos from my visit in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com for episode 394, including a link to the weekly cooler tour that Green Mountain posts for long-distance floral customers to view availability. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited today to tell you I'm coming from coming to you from Burlington, Vermont, South Burlington, Vermont, 
Green Mountain Florist Supply, and um, I'm here with owner Tom Jennings, who's hosting me for a workshop tomorrow. Hi, Tom. How are you? Glad I'm to have you here. <laughs> I'm super impressed. I've had the full meal deal tour, and this is a really remarkable place, and thanks for inviting me. You're very welcome. Uh, Tom, tell, give us a snapshot of Green Mountain, Green Mountain Florist Supply and where you are geographically and just sort of in the industry. Uh, we're obviously in Vermont. Um, our our range is basically New York State, New Hampshire, a little bit of Maine, and mostly Vermont. Um, and um, we've been, you know, this has been since 1982 we started the business. And uh, my mother and father were, the, were started this business, and I came along to help them for a year. Yeah, well, how did that work out? Uh, I've been fired 52 times <laughs> uh, working in a family business. Um, well, you were just like... Still a college student. When yeah, started, I told right? him I'd give him a year, mm -hmm. and um, slowly kind of fell in love with the flower business. And um, to this day, I still I love cutting flowers. I love seeing farms. I love varieties, new varieties, researching new varieties. You tour a lot. Yeah. Try to tour as much as we can, but you know, do a lot on the internet now. So, yeah. Uh, this place is really remarkable in that it's um, <clears throat> flower centric and product centric like you've got all the hard goods that yes. everybody wants to so can you kind of talk about how you've you know obviously the business has evolved but how it's composed of what what pieces you touch well we we try to be one-stop shop for everybody um you know being in vermont it's not easy to ship things in and out flowers don't ship here easily mm. um you're kind of at the end of the universe here aren't you? A, a lot of overnight services don't get here overnight um wow. a lot of airlines don't get here overnight so we we basically try we bring in probably 90 percent of what we sell here we buy on speculation oh, so really? we we research a lot of the especially the hard goods we have a good crew of customers who give us ideas what to buy what to be looking for upcoming wedding ideas um we bring stuff in we bring in different varieties of you know from different vendors and um when we get to the the flower end of it we we listen a lot to the customers. We research a lot of different different farms. Um, you know, we're buying a lot out of Holland now, which yeah. we haven't for years. Um, yeah, you have product here from Holland, from Japan, obviously from South America, but all across the U.S. as yeah. well. And we buy a lot out of California. We, um, I was mentioning to you earlier, we used to go to California at least once a year and travel from San Francisco to San Diego and just visit farms. And... Um, but we also buy a lot of local farms in the summer. We um, our growing season's a little hard here in Vermont. Yeah, there's the the lake is frozen. By the way, right? Uh, Thirty four inches of ice. Wow! It's March. Lake Champlain. Lake Champlain. Yeah, it's uh, it's a sight to behold. Like yeah, it's you could drive a truck across that, right? You can. Wow. Um, and it's uh, but it's it's uh, you know it's challenging for the local farmers. Um, they there's some really great ones that are around now. We've been. Uh, working with different farms since we opened mm -hmm. um, and you know some of these guys you'd come to me in June with daffodils and I'm saying sorry season's gone and next year they started growing woody shrub things and different types of lilacs mm -hmm. and different types of peonies and so they've they've grown they've evolved too and, and so they've we, responded to what what yeah. you've asked for yes, yes. wow so so you're actually <clears throat> geographically kind of the only game in town for wholesale within like I don't know. Uh, Albany, hundreds and hundreds of miles. Manchester, New Hampshire, Albany are sort of the competition. So okay. 150 miles, 100, and and it's, you know, but it's a lot. We have 14 trucks on the road pretty much every day. 
Um, we're some of our stops are 30, 40 miles between stops. Our routes go out two and a half hours one way and then work back. Wow! So it's a lot of driving. Yeah. Um, You're a transportation company, basically. That's what we do. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so how would a typical week work? Like if you you have a, a route or. Um, are you delivering what people have pre-ordered, or like how how would you take product out of the Most door? Most everything is pre-ordered. Um, we we do a pretty neat thing with a uh, like, to, like usually every Tuesday morning we do cooler tours, and it's a live tour inside the cooler. Um, I do it in both stores, so customers will watch that cooler tour. What like on Facebook or something? Yep, or we put it out on Constant Contact too. Oh, okay. So they go. It's like a video. It's a video. And it's, really? a, it's a guided tour through our coolers at both stores at Tuesdays, usually Tuesdays. And then we do, um, so everything in the cooler, video, we feature things, we show different items we're, we're trying to push. Um, we'll show different wedding flowers that came in. Um, we also do, three days a week, we'll do a Flickr page thing. So we do, we take photos of like all the new California flowers this morning. All that stuff got photographed and that gets sent out. And so you, you're... Regular customers subscribe to that. Yep. If somebody is new, they have to figure out how to subscribe. It's on our website. Yeah. It's on okay. right on our website. You can go on the website. And anybody can go on That's there and amazing. see it. It's um, it's great. It, it you in know, real time. It's a lot easier than making phone calls. Um, but uh, I stole that little idea from somebody in Southern California. So I I was talking to <laughs> I was talking to an old nursery uh, you know uh, plant grower in Oregon recently, and mm -hmm. she said. The fax machine revolutionized our business because we oh, yeah. were on the phone calling and describing plants to people. I'm yeah. sure you had to do that. Well, people stop listening after ten items. So <laughs> when you do a cooler tour, they go home at night. <clears throat> they sit down. Kids are to bed. They're whatever is going on, and they sit down and watch that. And we get orders at ten, eleven, twelve, two in the morning. We'll get orders. So wow, because they can watch it at Anytime. in their convenience, and then and they write it down and. Some of the way they order flowers, or we, we should keep a little list of funny names because it gets a little interesting. But Lost in translation. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that. So, But but it's kind of a uh, brilliant way to use technology that meets people where they are and not everybody has time to yeah. get over here, basically. Well, we're in that business. People have to see flowers. They have to see you know our hard goods. They have to see ribbons. They have to touch ribbons. You can't buy the stuff through a catalog unless you know the mm -hmm. company but everything we have we set up the displays everything is set up so people can touch feel play with it um, we invite our customers to bring their customers in if they're doing a wedding bring your bride in here lay out the table set mm. out the silver mm -hmm. set out the gold put fresh flowers put silk flowers I mean it's not that that's, difficult that's pretty so, neat yep. you have this I, I'm gonna try to shoot a little video too because the way that the warehouse is organized is and merchandise is really beautiful like well Jason Munn walked me through it this morning there's the you know um, the galvanized metal room and there's the gold room and there's the basket room and there's the you know pottery room and it's all vi visually beautiful your I, I your staff joked that you're a little bit OCD like you just you, a bit <laughs> you have this beautiful way of presenting everything and I think that sort of sets you apart and you know let's it's, face it people it, it, get busy but it's well, when you go to yeah. when you go to shows, I'm I'm always in showrooms, and, and we whether it's in Dallas or Atlanta, and I'm just you know you get overwhelmed by the amount of product in there, and the ones that are the most readable seem to be the best yeah. sellers. 
Yeah. And so when a customer comes in and, you know, you rearrange the showroom and somebody comes along and says, oh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I'm like, it's been here for three years. But, but you, you didn't see it. You put it in front of them in a new way. So you change it. Yeah. And, but, and we try not to overwhelm them. That's why we really do make it, you know, the pottery is all in one area. The tin's in one area. Even mm -hmm. in the gold room, the, the tin part of the gold room is on the left-hand side and the glass is on the right-hand side. <laughs> oh, I uh, didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's some really bad things out there. <laughs> OCD might be a bad thing. But anyway. No, no, no. I think for, for this yeah. kind of business, it's, it's quite... It's quite visually appealing and um, exciting to see um, how much inventory you have. And that, I guess that's the other thing about being kind of in this part of the country where um, there's not a lot of other alternatives. Right. You have to carry more inventory than maybe some other wholesalers. Yeah, and we, the other thing is we rent a lot. You so rent product our, to people. We rent a lot of product to people, um, which affords us to be able to buy some of the bigger urns and some of the neat stuff that Accent Decor carries that... Um, so we we bring in product and people rent. I heard, yeah, I heard from Jason that Holly Chapel calls this accent decor north. Yeah. Like you have a pretty uh, pretty deep inventory. We have a lot of fun with those guys. That's yes. cool. So yeah, um, we talked about how the showroom was uh, organized, but the what is your strategy for organizing the cooler? Because you also have to appeal to the people who walk in and shop. Right? Yeah, the cooler the cooler is has always we try to set it up. Um, Again, has to be very readable. We can't change it around because if we move a bucket of myrtle, people think we're out of it. And so how big is it, by the way? That cooler is, tw ah, there's two coolers there. One of them is 20 by 18 and the other is 24 by 24 or something like that. So they're like big walk-in. Yeah, and we encourage people. We want people to walk in, pick their own stuff. We, um, we try to set it up um, by color as mm -hmm. best we can. We try to set it up by section so that you know, we keep all the California product together, and it's a lot of the foliages are all together. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we get a lot of product out of Canada, um, and we keep all that pretty much together. Yeah, what's coming? What, you're closest to Montreal, right? Yeah, we're two hours from Montreal. Okay, well, is most of the product coming in from Ontario? Ontario. Okay, and is it um, greenhouse product? It's all greenhouse product from Rosa Flora. Okay. And they do a fantastic job. We've, we've worked with them. They bring a truck right here that's in buckets right from their, from their greenhouses. Wow. Um, Twice a week, it's wonderful. And they're are they in Ontario? They're in Ontario. Okay, okay. So that's that's in buckets. You've got product coming in in boxes as well, and yep. that's that's stuff that can can be displayed in the cooler out of water. Yeah, like we try to most of the things we try to get in water. We mm -hmm. like to ship all our flowers in water. We like to ship all our wedding orders in water. Um, we label every bucket, every customer's order. If, if somebody has three different weddings, we label all different things, take them right to the shop, drop them in their cooler, just like that. It's slick and easy, but people think it's a lot more work, but it's reality is we've already cut all the flowers and we know that they're gonna be successful. Um, oh my gosh. So hydrangeas, we yeah. cut hydrangeas and deliver everybody's hydrangeas, all hydrated, everything. So the trucks go on routes, kind of like a spoke out of the hub of this wheel, right? Like you, Correct. Where are you going from Burlington, Vermont? Um, the farthest we go south out of this store is Saratoga. Um, Which is what, a couple hours away? Two, two and a half hours. Okay. Um, we'll go west. Um, we're going further and further west, uh, sort of unfortunately, because there's, uh, there's, there's a lot of driving between stops out that way. Um, what is west of uh, West is uh, like Malone, New York, okay. Potsdam, New York. So upstate New York. Upstate New York. Mm -hmm. um, the other store handles sort of southern uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, 
um, New London, New Hampshire, a little bit south of that. We are now starting into Maine from there. And this is Middlesex? Middlesex. Okay, and that's which, your second, that was your original store? That was location. the original store, yeah. Okay. That one, we started that in there in 1982. And then, um, but we just started out into, into Maine. We've been picking up a lot of wedding shops there, which has been great. Um, so wow. we, it's a lot, there's another long drive, but um, you know, this is what the business is nowadays. We don't have people driving, you know, like the Boston Flower Exchange. Um, they come to Burlington, they're two hours away. It's a lot easier for them to drive there. You may, we were talking a little bit earlier, we're kind of jumping all over, but I want to make yeah. sure I get this in. Um, Boston had a vibrant wholesale yes. market. With still does. a lot of vendors under one roof, right? Correct. So it still does. But it has they've, changed? They've spread out. The okay. vendors have spread out. Okay. They've changed the market itself. The old Albany Street market is 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 gone, and they've moved to Chelsea. And oh, is it because of real estate development? Or? Yep. Okay. Yep. So it kind of got a little bit um, decentralized? Correct. Okay. So has that caused opportunity for you then? I think so. I mean, we, we try to... We try to accommodate those people that were driving to the, to the market, um, you know. But it's a, the market in Boston was a special place. I mean, mm. we started by going there three days a week, um, mm. and if you didn't get it at one booth, you get it at the next booth, the next booth. The oh, difference is, is that I have to be all the booths together here. I can't not have something that they can just go next door. You have to have the basic and the luxury all under one roof. Every bit of it. Yeah. Every bit of it. But the fact that you said 90% of what you have is uh, basically on spec. Every week. (laughs) You have to do a lot of uh, analysis and forecasting. Um, I've been doing this a long time. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't. Like, uh, I don't think about it anymore. Like you just in your gut, you know what will yeah. sell in March, and Me, you'll get. This. I. I will order my entire Valentine's Day list of flowers two days after Valentine's Day for next for the next year. No way. And I do it every year. Wow. And wow. And how far off are you? I mean, I'm sure you have a little shrink. Very very little. Wow. Very that's, little. That's and it's, precise. Well, it's it's, you know, our industry is is very predictable we the, as i've said to everybody the prices haven't changed in our business for 30 years that's the sucky part it is yeah. and it's everything's changed Where's phone systems you get everybody's got computers cell phones leasing vehicles but the cost of a flower hasn't changed and so we you know it, it the transportation's messed things up a lot um that's a big challenge for everybody in this industry especially i mean the amount of product we bring in it's we're the trucking is a huge part of our business. Um, it's it's on two sides. It's re, it's ordering and receiving the product. That's someone else is transporting correct. it, but it's creating cost for correct. you. And, and it's the and other it's, is you delivering it out, right? And it is one of the things that we when we work with some of the smaller farms that we and local farms. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things is it's it's the transportation. There's some some local people that have become very professional about the way they ship. Um, they show up here with trucks. Everything's sleeve properly, bunched properly, ready for us yeah, to sell. Yeah, you showed me that one availability list was beautiful. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. And we try to encourage people to do that because I don't want to be their packing house, shipping house. I mean, I will work with every single one of these people. And we, I think I was telling you earlier, I'll actually keep a list of all the local growers so that if our customers come along and are needing some special bunch of hellebores or a special ranunculus or... A zinnia, um, we have a list of people that we can send them to. Um, 
a lot of times we'll pick the stuff up for them because we're all over the state. Oh my but, gosh, that's um, a special service. It's, it, it all works. I mean, we're all part of it up here. So. Um, well, I have a couple questions relating yeah. to working with local farms that you've kind of raised. One is, why would you send a flower shop or a wedding and event florist to a farm as opposed to bringing it in from that farm? Is it just that the quantity is so small or the margins aren't there? Uh, there's a combination. A lot of it is, I mean, I, I'm sort of a firm believer in that, you know, there's a bride out there that wanted to get some flower for her wedding. And who am I to say no? Just because you don't stock it. Just because I don't stock yeah. it. And in a lot of cases, I mean, most wholesalers cost more money for me to bring in one or two bunches from either my source or somebody else. And I for see. me to pick Versus up. Versus like a case. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, these are customers for life. Yeah. I don't. I'm not trying to make a buck on every single one of these deals, and that's sort of the way we all work yeah. in here. Um, and that customer primarily is your your florist, yeah. basically. These are people that you know they're going to need me in January when there's no local flowers being grown. Right. So okay, so you're sort of seeing it as a, almost like a, a value add customer yeah. service. Yeah. yeah. And then my other question. First of all, I think that's amazing that you mm. have a list of local farms. But if someone only needs one bunch of Queen Red Lime Zinnia, it's you can tell them who's got it. Correct. That it'll cost you. You can. They can't afford what you'd have to charge them. For and it. and yeah. the amount of time, the the amount of damage that if I tried to buy buy that in from someplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, and again, you know, some of the, the overnight services they're not going to get here. Right. I mean, they, and there's some of these growers. These local growers are growing amazing things. And if if I can get twenty bunches of something from them, great. But when I can get 17 stems, it doesn't do me any good. So Right. Well, but. that sort of leads to me to my second question, because I think there's a lot of conversation going on out on social media in the slow flowers world and among, uh, you know, micro farms and farmer florists and florists who want to buy local. And that is, like, how can I get my wholesaler to carry more local product? And I feel like maybe that has to start with the farmer working within the parameters of the wholesaler and what advice would you give to make it farmers the farmers need to have it ready to be sold at the wholesale level so that takes some homework just to figure that out whether it needs to be packaged in 10 stems um you know the number of buds that are in a stem the cut stage of that whether it's sleeved how it's banded so all um, this post-harvest stuff all post-harvest stuff what it's treated in Exactly. I mean, how, because once that product gets transferred to me, I'm responsible for it to live. Yeah. And if it dies, it's a credit. Right. And I go back to the farmer and say, credit, and that doesn't always that hurts. work out. Yeah. yeah. So, so you eat it then. We want to make sure that, and, and we have several farms in Vermont is, that have gone to endless steps to help set up sleeves, you know, pack things in buck bunches, 10 stem bunches, put it in a bucket with 10 bunches. Um, put all the same color in a bunch, um, assorted <laughs> bunches of snaps don't roll, work well for me. I mean, they're beautiful at the farmer's market. I was going to say, it's fine at the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work well for me. So uh, we, but we've worked very well. I mean, we've had a lot of, um, I think I was mentioning earlier, we had the Von Trapp family as our next door neighbors. And when we started getting peonies and a stilby from them, I mean, it was beautiful product. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful product. The Von Trapps yeah. from... 
Sound of Music, that Montreal family. That's the family. family. Yes, That's yes, amazing. Yes. Yeah, they're next door neighbors. Like, what generation uh, of a family is uh, Well, this this is the sons and now uh, granddaughters uh, of of the well Warner von Trapp, who was the second oldest, I think, in the family, oh, the right. original family. Wow. The book's all different than the family. The, the movie. <laughs> the movie, but neat people and all hardworking people. But they grow some of the most beautiful flowers and garden center up here. That's just amazing. So. So um, you you knew them just because you were living near them. They're our next door neighbors. And did did you talk them into growing cut flowers for you? Um, we we didn't know anything about flowers. We drove by and saw some big, tall, purple, spiky things and growing in a perennial farm uh, garden and said, "Mind if we cut those?" And about <laughs> got you know run off the property. Run off the property, <laughs> but we um, we ended up sort of working back and forth on different flowers and wow. let's try this and let's try that and. Uh, that's got a real it worked problem. out great. We, but we've done that with a lot of different farms mm. up here that, you know, the man that brought me daffodils ended up being Third Branch Flower Farm. Mm. So Ed Pincus, long ago. I never met him, but um, I knew of him. And, and grows he's, some amazing stuff. His, he's, there's at least one photo of his farm in the 50 Mile Bouquet because my photographer went and visited him. Incredible stuff. Wow. Yeah. Uh, is there kind of a Vermont-grown or New England-grown sentiment that you're starting to see happen, or is it has it always been there? I I, I tried to think about that the other day. I have well, a wait, very wait, small. Wait, let me just stop and say we're in the town that has more local brew pubs per capita than anywhere else in the state. So local beer is popular here. Local beer is very popular, but we're a very hip hypocritical state, I will say. <laughs> because I So it doesn't translate to every other well, I'm I always say there's like a 7% club. Okay. And there's a 7% club that might get that, that want to go and buy the local products. Um, but I don't know how many of my customers really understand. They think, where do the flowers come from? They come from Green Mountain, and uh, they don't know where else they come right? from. Right? No, I, I don't. I don't disagree. I, I think I, that's about as far as people are thinking. And whether we need to do a little better education there, I we, we try on our price sheet to to identify Vermont products in the summer. We try to have a section that's Vermont products and all grown or New I'm York sure. State. I'm sure it's really. The best product you've ever seen. Well, that's local. Uh, there's a local grower, two local growers in New York State. We have a new one that's over there that is growing seven or eight varieties of basil. Mm. And I can't wait for the summer to be able mm. to buy that because mm. we It'll basil, fly out of mint, here. all those products that we we love to have local stuff. Yeah. Um, we get a still be out of New Hampshire. Um, anemones we get out of New Hampshire. We we try. Who's ever growing neat stuff like that that does package it correctly, we're going to buy it. That I, way. That, I so, consider that local, by the way, that because yeah. that's like the super yep. regional, yep. you know. Yep. Yeah. One of our in one of our customers grows the most amazing um, lysianthus and sweet peas. Um, I mean, just in Vermont, growing these things, it's yeah. crazy. But they grow incredible and ranunculus too. Yeah. So I mean, that's it's hard enough with the winters here to get yeah. anything growing. So they are doing hats off to them. Yeah. And it's it's you know the old days of just having sunflowers. Now now we get these amazing dahlias, thankfully, because we no, we, all, we have such a hard time with dahlias from anywhere, but. Local dahlias are, are, are wonderful. So, so there's this, even though I got you off track about yep. the 7% thing. Um, <laughs> Since I joke. <laughs> well, it sort of sounds like, yeah, I don't, I'll have to ask you about that over dinner. Uh, it sort of <laughs> sounds like people know they're getting their flowers from you. They trust you. And when they see all that beautiful product, they're showing up here and, and probably seeing the signage or the labeling that, oh, it is local. But that's not necessarily motivating the purchase. 
they're going for beauty and and color and freshness. I think there's I think the the push comes more from the bride end of it at this mm. point because mm -hmm. there are many weddings that we've had this last few years where people have come in and said, you know, my clients want all Vermont product, all Vermont flowers. Mm -hmm. um, I get that. I see that too. And so we that becomes like the, oh, okay, I guess we've got it. And then they start asking for varieties of roses that aren't grown anywhere around here. But there are people that are growing some, um, I think it's in or, excuse me, Massachusetts, where they're growing a lot of um, David Austin varieties yeah, of roses. Yeah, the things. garden roses. And there's some people in Vermont, I think, that are starting it. But every year, somebody new crops up. Well, yeah. pun, but yeah. we, every year, somebody new comes up and has a new variety of flower that... You know, because the, the conversation that I get every year is, oh, just tell me what you want me to grow for you. Right. And That's a good point. I don't, I can't answer that question because I, you know, they, they, I've always said to people, research your market before you put a seed in the ground, especially in the state of Vermont. You need to have a way of sourcing this product to somebody else. I can't take all of your flowers. So, um, right. You don't ever want to be the only bucket that people no. are putting their, their hard earned you know, living no, into. No. But I suppose they could look at your availability list, come do a walkthrough in the cooler and start seeing yep. what's available when and just sort of study uh, what you have and yep. see where there might be a niche. Yeah, and we and pricing is a big part of it too. We, you know, I, I, I don't want to get into how much they they don't price things correctly but we we i advise them all the time i mean to come in here go over our price sheet and see what what the the market will bear on a product here mm -hmm. um and if they're two dollars three dollars under what the market is selling them for i mean i'm going to tell them to raise the prices right um, right because that's not sustainable for anybody no you or no, the farmer no, no no and there's too many people selling flowers way under the market price right now and i don't know how any of these farms stay in business doing that yeah so you know. i think that's an interesting conversation too because it's a it's a what there's a risk to take when you maybe calculate your cost of goods sold and add your profit margin and try to charge something that maybe a customer's gonna you know freak out about right it's a huge market will bear issue that in this mm -hmm. industry. And we and we spend a lot of time, especially in our hard goods, we talk a lot about market will bear and we'll buy things that you know, we don't get a big a bigger big enough margin on certain items, but it's such a great item and it's not going to die because it's made out of tin. Right. Um, and You're willing to take a, a, yeah. a lower margin on yeah. that. And we'll bring in different types of ribbons that are just gorgeous you know, tinted, dyed, satin. I, I saw you had the Hannah ribbon line. Yeah, that, I'm stuff familiar is beautiful. with that. And that's made in the USA. It's beautiful. Yeah. Ribbon. And there, we just found it's artisan. Them. Oh my gosh, this stuff's gorgeous. And yeah. so, um, but you know, for me to sell a roll of ribbon at $60 a roll, it's a pretty limited customer base. So we've got it set up a little differently so that we don't have to sell the full roll. You're selling by the yard or? We can sell by the yard, by the strips, by mm -hmm. the, and she's, they, they've set this whole thing up for us. So we, but th that's the type of stuff we'd keep, we customers call us all the time and they say, we're looking for this product. We're trying to get more of this product in. And, you know, we'll go off to Dallas or we'll go to Atlanta and do all our hard goods buying. We see all these different things. And the guys that, that go with me, we get done walking, you know, eight to ten miles a day inside of a... <laughs> Where a or a oh, big convention center, yeah. We hate it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're there for four or five days, and we take care of a lot of this product. Yeah, and, and you, do you go to shows twice a year? 
Usually twice a year. Okay. And yep. Sometimes, wow. sometimes we're gonna we're gonna start doing a, a little bit differently too. I think we've got some. Uh, we're starting to go directly to a lot of these uh, the manufacturers instead of actually going to their showrooms so that we can. Well, really sit and talk with them about different things we're yeah, looking for. Yeah, so. I think you yeah. deserve that kind of uh, level of uh, seat at the table with being, you know, one of the largest wholesalers in the, the Northeast. And I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about being an independent wholesale nursery yep. because there seems to be um, some consolidation and acquisition and mergers going on. I don't. I know you're active in WUFSA. I know that that organization kind of tracks this. But yep. what do you see happening with wholesale? Like, who's going to make it and who's not? And I, I don't mean I, name names. I, I mean I, generically. You know, I, I've mentioned this earlier, but when we opened, there was seventy-five thousand retail florists in the United States, and I think it's under thirteen thousand today. Wow! Um, From eighty-two to now. Eighty-two to now. Wow! And we That's... we have felt it just in the last two years. I've lost well, in the last year, I've lost five good, solid retail florist customers. And, and these are like people more than one generation of, of salt of the earth, yeah. mom and pop, brick and mortar flower shops. Which what frustrates me is they close, not sell the shop. Um, they just walk away. They close. And, yeah. And they you know they're they're retired. They wind wind down and. And it's a lot of work. I mean, yeah. the business is a lot of work. And yeah. I think, so when it comes to the wholesale end of it, I think there's a lot of the same type of things happening where families have just been second, third, and sometimes fourth and fifth generation where they're just worn out. Yeah. And, you know, if somebody comes along and says, geez, I want to buy your place, um, okay. Yeah. Um, Especially but, if there's not a succession plan for the next generation, right? But the difference, the difference for me and... Um, and a lot of the people that are good friends of mine in the in the wholesale industry is, it's it's a level of work. You can't replace the work by consolidating and having smarter people running your computer systems and things. You still have to deal with cutting flowers, selling flowers, boxing flowers, Trucking. unloading trucks. Yeah. It's that doesn't go away. And so, you know, just inside this building, you know, for us to do a spring show, it takes us a good solid almost four weeks just to set up. You know, we're seven to ten cardboard dumpster loads of cardboard just for the hard good department, right. just to get the place cleaned up. So it's a lot of work, and you know, it's it's rewarding. Um, you know, I don't like to sit around, so that's part of the deal. But I think there's a lot of people that just, you know, they think they can streamline a wholesale floral industry, and it just, you know, go ask a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, you're not going to streamline you, a farm. You you're can't doing... get extra hours in the day. No. No, no. That's a really good point. Well, I, I congratulate you for, for all that you've done, and yeah. just my visit here today has been so inspiring. And I'm here because of this spring show. So Correct. So let's sort of wrap it up and talk about this. This is something that you um, have been doing for years every uh, to, to kind of start the season again? We, we've tried to do a, a show. We used to do a fall show, show every year. And we'd bring in a designer, and they'd decorate Christmas trees, and mm, people would right. come and ooh and ah. And then I started really going, saying, our business is weddings. We are weddings 365 days a year. And so we Retail or studio? Both You're serving both you name designer. A designer, we have caterers, we have interior decorators, Venues, we yeah. have all levels of this industry. So we, I, I sort of thought we should set aside the second week of March. Because it's sort of an area where nothing's really going on. You've um, recovered from Valentine's Day. We're still out of our ha our holiday hangover from Valentine's <laughs> Day. Um, but we, so we, I, 
I, I'm, I'm a big one on doing education. I'd love to keep a class going. I'd love to start a school here. I've talked about getting that going. That'd be cool. Um, it's just a matter of people. Yeah. You know, once I can get the right number of people working here, yeah. and, um, because I want to promote more uh, florists. I well, mean, I want to get more people involved. And um, there's such a spike right now in interest in flowers yep. um, from the consumer to you know the the people tr transferring into this industry even though shops are closing right there are independent people who are transferring in right. so so you started the spring event and yep. it's usually a couple days yep. and you've had a lot of great great names um that i've heard yep. come through here yep and do you think it's successful in, in, in for maybe the same reason that your business is doing well where you are is a little remote and people are can't travel and so you're bringing the think, classes to them basically yeah and i think that one of the things that we can offer is we we charge a very minimal amount to do the classes mm -hmm. um i don't really believe in charging a huge dollar for customers of mine mm -hmm. yeah it seems <laughs> so very fairly priced we try to make it as fair as we can we try to bring in as many varieties of flowers as we can we try to show different techniques um, and I mean, I, I ask my customers every year, who do you want me to bring in? Mm. And so they really give me the feedback. Um, and then I've got some people here that help put up the show. Jason Munn is certainly one of them. And we, so Jason has a pretty good idea of different people and different trends. And I have a couple other customers that I ask about trends and books and things. And, um, exciting. yeah, we, we need to get it going a little earlier in the year. Well, <laughs> I mean, as far as selecting people and getting sure, organized, but, sure. but um, you know, we're kind of busy. Yeah, you should things. do it like Valentine's Day when you order your, your roses if two days later. I were in charge, <laughs> it would be that way. <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm, yep. gonna, I'm excited to talk about Slow Flowers. I'm also excited to give teach a writing workshop, which is probably something different great. Uh, for florists, yep. and um, partner with um, some other great speakers like Bailey Hale from Ardelia yep. Farm, yep. local yep. grower, yep. and uh, Susan and McCleary from yep. Passion Flower, who's a rock star. So, yep. I people are going to get a, a good value for their money, and I'm, yep. I'm glad you're hosting it. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Good. Yeah. Anything else you want to share about uh, Green Mountain uh, before you, you haven't told us your favorite flower? Maybe that will be a good one Ooh. way to end. Is that fair? I, to ask? I'm a gardener on the side, also. I mean, I shouldn't say on the side. I, when I leave, <laughs> you here, don't have any side. I don't. I, <laughs> I, I build stone walls and I plant lots of peonies. Um, oh. And I love peonies. I love lilacs. Um, All those perfect flowers for this part of the country. Yeah, but I, I still, I still love roses. I, I don't know. I'm not a. You know, we just get loads of our flowers in today, and I was saying we cut flowers from 5 a.m. until 12 o'clock, seven hours straight. Jeez. And I'm still sitting there looking at a flower going, wow, smell this one, look at this one. Whether it's a bunch of mint or a bunch of geraniums, I, I, I love them all. So, um, But if I had to put flowers in my house, I would say probably just peonies would be the best thing for mm. me. So, mm. yep, You are a true Vermont guy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm a transplant, according to everybody up here, but that's all right. Oh, I've been okay. up here a long time. Okay, so. well, in Seattle, we consider you a native if you've lived in Washington State for 10 years. Oh, so. That's that's kind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> New England could be a little rougher yeah, than a little, the West. We're not so nice here. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. This has You're been very welcome. great. This I want to make I want to make sure we share photos of all the goodies here and yep. maybe some photos from our workshop tomorrow. And I just thank you for your hospitality and for sharing your story. You're very welcome. Thank you for coming. 
It's a long way from over there to over here. <laughs> I'm here now. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. Great. All right. Thanks so much for joining me today. Last week, we announced a giveaway of Andrew Mefford's new book, The Organic No-Till Farming Revolution. And we've drawn one winner from all who posted comments in the show notes by last Saturday. I love reading everyone's comments about the best tips they learned from my interview with Andrew. And our winner is Melissa Garcia Perry of Howland Whistleflower Farm, who commented, this is so timely. I listened to this podcast while tackling our new acreage. Bumping up from super small urban flower growing to acreage is full of challenges and has me questioning my methodologies. I want this land to be no-till, but there are so many other growers around me telling me this is a fantasy. Andrew's best tip for me was witnessing for himself how the absolute pro growers at Bear Mountain Farm simply covered sunflower beds, stalks and all, with tarps and let their ground peeps do the work. Yes, I can do that. Well, congratulations, Melissa. We'll get your address over to New Society Publishers so they can send you a copy of Andrew's book. And thanks to all who commented and entered. Don't forget that Andrew has generously created a coupon code with the word SLOW, S-L-O-W, which you can use for 20% off on your purchases or subscriptions at Growing for Market. Follow our link in today's show notes to take advantage. Our next sponsor spotlight today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliage, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. Hey, I was hoping to continue our 50 States of Slow Flowers series today with Hawaii, but I was unable to entice anyone to join me on this episode. So we have another bonus for you. I've had our most active Hawaii members on the podcast in the past. You can follow a link to my interview with Allison Higgins of Grace Flowers Hawaii in Hanoka'a on the Big Island. Allison has a lot of great stories about local flowers and the floral business of destination weddings. You'll want to hear it if you missed the original air date. We need more active members, growers, and floral designers in Hawaii, so help us spread the word. Next week, I promise we will hear from another state voice. We have four I states coming up, Idaho, Illinois, Indiana, and Iowa, so that will bring us through the month of April. And one more announcement for ASCFG members or prospective members. The organization's popular mentorship program continues for the 2020-2021 seasons. And if you've been thinking about applying to serve as a flower farming mentor or to be considered as a mentee, take note of the March 31st deadline. To learn more, you can listen to our past interview with ASCFG mentors and mentees from episode 295 which we recorded in 2017. I'll share a link in today's show notes. This is an incredible opportunity and the deadline is quickly approaching. 
Thank you so much for joining me on this Slow Flowers journey as I seek new and inspiring voices, people with passion, heart, commitment, and expertise to share with you. I hope today's episode gave you at least one inspiring insight or tip to apply to your floral enterprise. What you gain will be multiplied as you pay it forward and help someone else. Truly, we have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement. As our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I love hearing from listeners, and here's an encouraging note that I received from Michelle Haynes of Rusty Dog Ranch, who contributed a donation in support of the podcast last week. Michelle wrote, Deborah, thank you for your wonderful podcast. I am at the very beginning stages of setting up a cut flower farm and native plants habitat here in rural North Texas. I've created beds and planted seeds in between my day job, and I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm trying not to overthink it. Your interviews and stories keep me company and encourage me during this solitary work. Every time I hear the name of a flower, one that's contained in one of my seed packets, I think, well, they did it, so why can't I? I love that. Right on. And uh, keep it going, Michelle. Our final sponsor spotlight today goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. The Slow Flowers Summit is coming up soon on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. More than half of the registration slots have been grabbed. So don't miss this opportunity to join with Slow Flowers thinkers and doers in person. One of our past speakers dubbed the summit a floral mind meld, and I love that concept. Come and be part of the incredible and uplifting experience. You can make your way to slowflowerssummit.com to learn all about the many opportunities to join us, from flower farm tours and dinner on a flower farm, to business and branding presentations, to interactive and inspiring design sessions, all created to serve you. Subscribe to Summit News and Updates at slowflowersummit.com. We have several new interviews and Q&As with speakers, so you'll want to check that out under the blog at this website. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 428,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Thank you all. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. I met a man last week, Scott Bedbury, who is the creator of the famous Nike Just Do It campaign. When he heard my slogan, putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time, he gave it a wholehearted approval. But he suggested I add a few other other bits to the, to the slogan, such as putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase, one stem, one flower at a time. So I like that. If you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes, posting a listener review, and sharing with others. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone. 
independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.